This is Season 3, Episode 11 of Mastering the RPG, a tabletop RPG podcast all about upping your game. Doesn't matter if you're a game master or player, you'll find advice, ideas, and some strong opinions. Our episode tonight is a system deep dive on Savage Worlds. Or how about fast, furious, fun? Okay, everybody. Hey, welcome again to Mastering the RPG. Like I said, it's a tabletop RPG podcast. Um, We've got advice, ideas, cool stuff found, all sorts of opinions, lots of it. I'm Carl with my co-hosts, Eric and James, and you'll find all the information about the show at MasteringTheRPG.com. And you can send us email or feedback at, and, or questions at GameMaster at MasteringTheRPG.com. And that's all one word. So good to have you guys back on the mic. Good to see you. Good to hear you. How is everybody doing? What's been going on? James, how you been doing? What's been going on with you? It's been going great. I'm gaming a lot. I'm running lots of games. Uh, I've, I've scaled it down slightly, so I'm only running 19 games a month at the moment, so it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's less oh than my. normal, but, my camp- All right. but this year's campaigns are now in full swing, so we're in, we did our session zero, we've done two sessions more, so uh, we're playing lots of Dungeons and Dragons, playing a little bit of Call of Cthulhu, and realising how insanely squishy level one, fifth edition uh, Dungeons and Dragons characters are, so that's a... I keep forgetting how flawed that system is when it comes to starting. Um, But, yep, I (laughs) I did it anyway and almost had a TPK and lots of... Yeah, anyway, we won't talk about it, but uh, well into games now. And absolutely astounded by characters that people make each time and trying to get story arcs wound in and all that kind of stuff. So busy but fun and and not as busy as last year, which is crazy. Still only 19 games a month. Anyway, (laughs) how about you, Eric? What are you up to? Very cool. Uh, well, right now I'm surviving an insane storm, <laughs> so we're hoping my power doesn't go out again. Uh, but yeah, not much. I mean, the playing the game slowed, slowed a little. I did get to run a, like, which is very uh, on point for this episode, I, I did run, like, a learning Savage Worlds game. I had one of our games canceled, so I was like, oh, I'll just kind of throw something together just to teach people how to play Savage Worlds. That was cool. That seems fun. Um, you know, kind of. It was a one-shot, had to slam enough stuff in within the three half, three hours. But, uh, yeah, it worked pretty well. Everybody had fun and learned the system. So, yeah, on point again for, for this episode. Oh, very cool. Very cool. Uh, personally, I've just been uh, playing my game with Eric and the crew, and um, they learned some, some, some more about the world and the machinations of the gods and the dragons and all sorts of cool stuff that's going on in the world. So that was kind of fun i uh i did drop my hot video got a lot of good comments on it even uh jody black from peg <laughs> said awesome so there you go <laughs> i don't know your music video let's be clear you made a music video you didn't specify uh oh yeah the hotness, music what video. the video was yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. i mentioned it last time but yeah it was a music video okay. for my savage worlds uh fan song that's right so if you haven't if you haven't heard that or seen it, then it's well worth well worth the three minutes. At least I think so. So, um, all right. Well, that's cool. Uh, it's great that everybody's been having a good time playing some games. It's awesome, Eric, that you had a chance to teach some people. It's always fun to get more people involved yeah. in the system because um, once people play it, they get kind of excited. And that is, like you said, all about what we're talking about tonight. So why don't we just jump right into that main topic? Mastering the RPG with Carl. 
All right, everybody, we're in the main topic, and we're talking about system deep dive on Savage Worlds. Now, since Eric and I are both the Savage Worlds aficionados, we're going to let James take the reins of the master of ceremonies this time and walk us through. And we did that to him on Call of Cthulhu, so he gets to do it to us on Savage Worlds. (laughs) That's right, the the quick pro pro. Uh, Welcome, everyone. And I guess... You know, finally it's happened. The two guys that constantly are talking about Savage Worlds, we actually get to really talk about Savage Worlds, which is fantastic. Uh, I've had the opportunity to only play one game of Savage Worlds my entire RPG kind of life, and Eric ran it. And so I kind of got a very good uh, um, kind of intro into the game, um, and I loved that one experience. So, um, But let's learn more. Let's spend a little bit of time... Uh, with these two guys and get a sense of Savage Worlds, what makes it tick, what makes it great, what makes it not so great, and uh, we'll go from here. So I don't know how you guys want to do this, whether we just take it in turns. Um, I've got a big list of questions, so we're going to do the same questions that, that you guys uh, um, uh, subjected me to for Call of Cthulhu, and we'll, I guess we'll take it in turns. Don't, see how we go. Don't give if away the secrets. You're giving in. away the secrets of how awesome this is going to go. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so here we go. So let's start. Savage Worlds. It sounds savage. It sounds large. But let's have the elevator pitch of the game. If you can sum it up in about two minutes, tell me all about Savage Worlds, Carl. Savage Worlds is a system agnostic system that is not genre-specific. It is designed to be, as we said, fast, furious, and fun. It's designed to be a quick game, um, has a lot of narrative elements to it. Um, it is not super crunchy, but it's all about um, a fast game, lots of fun, but is not tied to any particular genre. And that because and with that genericness of it, it's it's really flexible and provides a lot of opportunity to play science fiction, old west, fantasy, what have you. It can it can handle them all. Wow! So you can. How, how does that work? You, you get modules or different adventure books for each different genre, or is this more the, the, the dungeon master or the games master has to kind of put it all together? So, so the reality well, is, oh, the reality is yeah. you can use the core rule book to play lots of different settings, but there's sis, there's books that are created called setting books, and setting books add in. Uh, additional setting rules. They may tweak um, what's called edges and hindrances, and we'll talk more about that. But um, it'll they'll tweak it and make a better flavor. But I have honestly run multiple genres just using the base book, which is about two hundred yeah. pages. Yeah, great. So it, it's and not, they're companions, not not the set, but companion books. Well, they're but, setting yeah. books and companion books. Setting books are yeah, okay. things like there might be a cyberpunk setting book that has setting rules and new edges. For There's sure, companions. Yeah that have kind of rules for different they're like settings but like there's a fantasy companion there's a sci- or there's a superpowers companion which really provide a framework for building that kind of game um, so there's setting books and there's companion books so I'm hearing wild west fantasy setting you know space all horror. of it yeah yeah horror 1920s and, and- gangsters <laughs> everything Pretty much, I mean, pretty much, you can do pretty much everything with the base book. Um, it's not going to do it the best. The companion books really do flesh it out a lot. The one other thing I would add to kind of the elevator pitch um, is that the, there's 
with the Fast, Furious, and Fun that Carl brought up, like that's what the core game design all revolves around, and that's like in everything from the initiative to the way. Um, uh, like like hit points are tracked, but there's not. We'll, we'll talk about that. Like everything is meant to be kind of uh, fast and easy, and there's a lot of tools for game masters as well to make things really really fast. That there's no encounter building. Um, it's really really easy and fun to make monsters. So it's also for game masters too, not just for like the experience of playing the game, also for the prep of the game. Savage Worlds. That that's part of the point is to be like really easy and flexible for game masters. So Carl said it was wasn't very crunchy, very narrative driven. So uh, I mean, how how many rules? It's are kind of in, it's in the middle. Lots of these companion books and things like that. Yeah, it's definitely in the middle for sure. Like yep. it, I think uh, compared to most other games, especially games that have tried to do this, I mean, the one that shouts out to me the most, if anybody knows about this one, is the Cortex system, which was based on Numenera, Numenaria, whatever. Um, which I don't think does, did it as successfully. Savage Worlds is definitely in the middle of uh, crunchy and narrative. Uh, like the the base rules are pretty simple. Um, there is a lot of modifiers that get thrown around, um, and there's a lot of p choices for character creation. But generally, it's it's like it, it's not too complicated. Um, and then there's a lot of like narrative tools um, that are used in the game to flesh out other parts. Things like which are also a mix of narrative and crunchy. Like when you talk about uh, chases or dramatic tasks, we'll talk about those again too. There's, there's all these things set up. Um, quick encounters is a big one, right? That's, that's a narrative way to just kind of wrap up an encounter instead of actually doing the whole battle. So Slightly, yeah, it's very yeah, much in the middle. Yeah. yeah. It, it does it the best job of kind of being in between, right? Carl, I think you would agree with me on that. Yeah, I think um, it's... It's crunchy enough that, you know, you've got die rolls and you've got modifiers but it's it's not so crunchy that every last little detail is fleshed out in a huge book that you need to really understand every little piece of it. It's, it really allows you to yeah. have a lot of narrative control and the game master control what's going yeah. on and, and kind of add their own part to it um, as things are going. So it's definitely in between. It's, it's not a complete narrative game, and it's certainly not a crunchy game like um, something like a Pathfinder, Pathfinder. would do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. So you can still put the kind of rule of cool on top of it, you know. Oh, you're yeah. able to kind of it, it fudge lives. and move the rules a little bit. It, it, it lives with that. That's that's even baked into some of the more the mechanics, like some of the more crunchy mechanics. Like there's a lot of crosstalk between players and game masters of like like what skills to use, especially on dramatic tasks. Like that can be a discussion that if you creatively use it or you you know you say a certain way, and then it leaves it really open to do that. And there's a lot of systems in place like tests, which are extremely open that um, anybody can make like use any skill to kind of mess with their enemies, and that's very narrative, right? Like like oh like. I want to do this cool thing by like, you know, uh, I want to like just mess with somebody's head like psychologically. So that's, you know, you can do that or you can use your sword to like mess with them. So either way works. So there is that like rule of cool of like whatever you kind of want to do, the rules support that um, and being open. Yeah. And I did find that the, the flexibility of kind of using or interpreting your powers are really amazing when I, when I ran through it. I, I yeah. couldn't, couldn't agree more. Um, I've had this experience that you guys have kind of run this game for conventions. You've run it one shots. How do you find the new player friendliness level? And um, for me in particular, is it kids friendly? Can I could I get younger players to kind of get into this? Do you think it, it is absolutely it is absolutely new player friendly? I run it at conventions a lot, and you can teach the basics mechanics of the game in five minutes. The the fundamental everything is based on 
target number of four, you have dice, a size of die based on your skill, and you're rolling that plus some, you know, pluses or minuses, and you're done. That's the core mechanic, and it really, there's, there's obviously a little tweaks here and there, but people pick that up really quickly. They say, oh, I've got a skill, and I can roll a D8, and i got to get over four. Oh, and I might have a plus or minus. It makes complete sense. And kids, it's real kid-friendly, too, because it's not, um, there's that narrative piece of it. It's very open-ended. It's not, um, it, it's easy to, it's really easy to understand and pick up. Um, the, the modifiers aren't too crazy. You know, you're talking about a plus minus two, typically, or a plus minus four. So it's not really complicated. It's very straightforward um, and very friendly for new players, I think. Eric, what do you think about that? Do you that? have to go through the big chart of plus two, minus two, plus one, plus two, to look at plus seven? Uh, well, I mean, to be fair, sometimes that does happen, and that's maybe when we talk later about it, I'll, we'll bring that more up, but it's there's no charts. There's just like, it, everything's pretty, yeah, like Carl said, I do think it's very easy for new people to get, um, and for kids. I would say, though, that it does so many things differently than most games I've ever played that there is sort of like, not really the learning curve of you need to like read so much, but just like, oh, this is different, you know? And this like, there's stuff that it just does differently. And I think that's the one part that maybe sometimes new, new players get tripped up on. Uh, we just talked about this in our video too. And we talked about our house rules. Um, so there are some things that can kind of trip people up just because it's so different than what other games are. But yeah, generally it's certainly new player friendly. Why don't we get into it? Why don't we get into some of the mechanics and, and perhaps have a bit of a talk about it? I heard it described once as uh, Dungeons and Dragons with a poker chip and poker cards. Is that, is that <laughs> no. even remotely? Absolutely <laughs> not. Not at all. I mean, like when you compare all the things from D&D, I mean, obviously there's some similarities because it's a tabletop game and it's not, you know, it's not um, a narrative game like a, a Apocalypse game or a, what's it called? Um, uh, riffs. I'm not Riffs. Uh, uh, fate, sorry, it's fate. It's not like yeah, fate, it's not yeah. like that, right? It is. There is dice that you roll. There are rules, but okay. The the basic mechanics are. Um, sorry, I've triggered you guys terribly on that one. I'm no, yeah, I, that that is just such a bad way of describing it. <laughs> so, like so, I, that was so good that you're. you're I'm going to throw you a Benny, which is the poker chip. <laughs> I'm going to give you a Benny. You can use that later. Give so. you the Benny. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, there's if you've played D and D, like you know, going into this, there's going to be a lot of concepts that are similar, right? Like movement and doing actions, things like that. But it's just very yeah. different. So yeah, let, let's get into. it. I think maybe we'll kind of. We'll tee the ball between me and Carl here. Uh, but very basically, it's a variable variable dice system, like Carl said before, which means uh, all the dice in the game are, are used from a D4 to a D12. Uh, 12. 12. Um, yeah. That's the maximum range of D4, D6, A, D, D8, D12. There's a D20 used sometimes for game master stuff, but not really for player stuff. So um, you have uh, five attributes, strength, vigor, uh, agility, spirit, and smarts. And then you have skills that are linked to those attributes, um, which are only important for when you want to raise your skills up and for when you're doing something called tests um, or oppose roles, things like that. Um, the, the linked attributes are used for that. Um, and then all of those things are between the D4 and the D8, uh, D12, sorry. Um, there is a very general pool of skills. So it's, it's very, you know, there's not a ton of skills is what I mean. Like those are used like, yeah. you know, there's stealth and fighting and shooting, things like that. Um, there's not like a ton of little granular stuff. Um, one of the big things to get out right away is that there's this concept called wild cards and extras. And all characters, uh, player characters, non-player characters, are one of those two things, 
pretty much. Um, the difference between them is a wild card. When they, whenever they roll anything besides damage, they get an extra d6 to roll along with it. Um, they also have more wounds, which is which basically is HP. Um, yeah. Extras only can can't take any wounds, and then they just die. So, and we'll we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, and you, you, wild cards you've have got three my wounds. Sense when you said HP and wounds are the same thing, but okay. No, I okay. said sorry. Uh, they're not the same thing. I mean, <laughs> they're, they're not the that, same thing. The, the wounds are the HP of Savage Worlds, but they're very different, right? You you only can take three wounds as a. Um, as a wild card and on your fourth one, that's when you would go down and like do dying rolls basically. Um, uh, also wild cards get bennies, which we talked about. That's like, that's the poker chips. And these do a variety of things. Mainly these are used for re-rolling any roll. That's not a critical failure. Um, they're also used to like get uh, your power points back, which are like spell slots. They're also used to like take narrative control. They're also used when you want to soak damage it's called. So they're used for a lot of variety of things. Um, uh, yeah, that, that's the main. I'll, I'll throw it to Carl now for. So, stuff. so, sorry, I just want to jump in there. Okay. So, if if you've got, I'm just going to go back to your wounds are not equaling hit points. Uh, yeah. If there's only two or three wounds, is it is it deadly? Like, do you find that it's um, kind of? Yes, it, it it can be very deadly. But let's that that's also due to one thing I didn't bring up is that when you roll a die, dies have the capacity to explode, which means that when you roll the maximum number on a die, you get to re-roll that die. And then also, if that gets this maximum number, you keep re-rolling. So you sometimes you can oh, roll wow. a die eight, ten times. And this is this is everything. So what we call trait rolls. Trait rolls are skills or attribute rolls, and then also damage. All of those things can explode so you can damage can go up very very high uh, just real but, quickly also then how yeah sorry go on well i was just gonna say but you never can go beyond four your character well, will get up to four wounds and then they become what's called incapacitated so even yes. if you get 30 wounds you will never yeah. you will never be down to the point where it's just i can never get back to being healed by somebody who can heal me or heal a wound or yeah. what have you there's and no instant there, death and there's a lot of debate on whether it's a deadly system or not right that that's it depends it really it it's 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 sometimes said it's deadly but it's not as deadly as you think because you do have soak rolls that can soak up like yeah. Eric said, you can spend a Benny and try to soak damage. When you're down and incapacitated, there's a roll that keeps you from dying, though you yeah, can sure. die instantly too. Um, so yeah. it's 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 not any worse than any other system where you get down to the bottom and you're out of hit points. OSR, you're dead. D and D, you get yeah, to make sure. a bunch of rolls, and you're not dead until you lose the roll. So I don't think it's really any more deadly than any other system to be. To be honest. I, I mean, I, I would <laughs> say the deadliness is, is, well, the deadliness is because it's swingy, right? And and I think it also really matters what what type of game you're playing. The game master can have a huge effect on this because there is no encounter. There's no CR. There's nothing like that, right? right? There's right. no encounter building. No it's just, so, yeah. As a game master, you just kind of learn how to do it and you can give them more bennies if, if they're doing badly. I, I, though, have experienced more deaths in Savage Worlds game than any other system. Like, And obviously, I play it the most, but just because of the swinginess and the different games that I play, um, you, you can die. Like, it just, you know, there's just that possibility. And it's true. Um, and you're true because yeah. there's a saying that a pitch, uh, uh, a peasant with a pitchfork can take out a hero. Because yes. of exploding, so, dice. unlike D and D, right? So yeah. that so that is true. That is absolutely true. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah. But, 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 nice and suddenly, yeah, sure. Yeah. But to Carl's point, because of there's this whole wild card and extra system, if you're a wild card, you're just better than everybody. And this is to the cinematic. The, Savage Worlds is a very cinematic game. So um, player characters are all wild cards, but also the main bosses are wild cards or notable NPCs will be wild cards. These are kind of like the, you know, the credited actors in a movie, right? Yeah. Um, so they're just going to be better at everything. So they can do a lot more damage. They can do everything better. Um, but yeah, like Carl said, anybody can do it. And before I move on to Carl, I'll just finish with the damage part um very basically how damage works um like how you take damage um after you've been hit the you know you roll damage and that goes against your toughness and your toughness is the uh combination of your armor rating which can usually is between only like one and four pretty much um unless you're doing some other crazy type of game which you get higher armor ratings or like powers and um your your base toughness um, which is your vigor roll. It's half your vigor roll plus two. So if you have a vigor of D8, which is like your constitution, you would have a six toughness, right? Um, yeah. So it's like that plus your armor. And that's the, almost the like, that, that's what you're trying to hit with um, when you're ro rolling damage. And if, if you just hit somebody's toughness um, uh, or like to a, a plus three of that toughness, because everything in Savage Worlds is like by fours, if that makes sense. So it, yes. say if you have a toughness of 10, right, and the damage hit 10, then you don't actually take a wound first. You're what's called shaken. And shaken is this kind of temporary thing that is um, – all it really means is that, like, you can't do an action when you're shaken. You can still move, and you can't do other certain stuff. Um, and at the beginning of your turn, everybody gets a free reroll to get out of Shaken, which is a spirit roll. Um, you can also spend yep. a Benny at any time to get rid of it. So that's like the first state, which is just kind of like you didn't take like a, a you know, you didn't actually start bleeding or anything. You just kind of got like shell shocked. Right. And then every four above your toughness is a wounds level. So in that example of having 10 toughness, if somebody rolled a 14 damage, then you're shaken and you take a wound. If somebody rolled yeah. 18 damage, then you've taken two wounds. Um, and then finally... Uh, once somebody's taken that damage in, that like what Carl said, there's something called a soak roll, which you can spend the Benny. Again, here's another use of the Benny. You can spend the Benny, and that person rolls vigor. And for every four, and then, you know, eight, 12, like again, everything goes by fours. So the target number is four. Um, you've soaked one of those wounds. So if you had two wounds coming in and you rolled a four, you would, you would only take one wound. Um, if you managed to, to get an eight or greater, then you would soak both wounds and you wouldn't even be shaken, if that makes sense. So I know there's a lot there, but that's, that's the base, big part of the game. Okay. Uh, and that's yeah, one that's of the cool. things there's, that there's a bit of an are... active defense thing going on there. So you, even yes. when something's happening to you, you're still getting to roll dice even when it's not your turn. That's kind of cool. Yeah, and that's one of the, that is one of the things people have to wrap their head around, is that when you hit you then roll damage, and then you have to get your damage above the toughness in order to actually do a wound yeah. or shaken. Wound. And people are yeah. used to, if I hit you and I roll damage, that damage comes out of your hit point pool, and it just happens. Um, it's, it's just fundamentally different, and you do have to wrap your head around that a little bit um, to, yeah. to really comp comprehend what's going on there. Because all this happens at the same time, and so technically you never really – hurt the person if you never got above their toughness, even if you quote unquote hit. So yep. you, you just or have they to, soaked it. Yeah. Yeah. Or they soaked it. Right. So, but, but, but that's easily described narratively, you know, the, yes. the leather jacket seems to absorb the exactly. bullet or, or they, exactly. they just look at you toughly and, and the damage 100%. nothing, you know, yeah. it's great. 
And the other cool thing about wounds is that um, every, every for every wound that you have, you take a minus one on all your trait rolls and your pace, which is your movement, goes down by one. So there is this built-in, like, you know, mechanical thing that, like, you really start to feel like you're wounded. It's not like D&D where you've taken 100 hit points of damage, right? You're level 15 or whatever. And you're, you're exactly the same strength as you were with full hit points, right? In this yeah. game, once you start taking wounds, it's bad. And you really start to feel it. Um, Carl, why don't you start talking about how the action system works? Oh, so the action system is its really straightforward. Um, you have, in your turn, you can do a movement or one or more actions. Uh, typically, uh, and, there, and those actions are a couple of different kinds. There's things called free actions, and then there's a regular action, but I, I won't go into some of the nuances of regular actions and just keep it simple. But free actions are things you can do um, without spending any time. They're very quick. And like unholstering your gun is a free action. You don't have to spend any time doing that. So generally within your turn, you have a movement and then you have one to three actions. You get one action free, which means you have no penalty, but you can do up to three actions. And if you want to do two actions, you have a minus two penalty to each action. If you do three actions, you have a minus four penalty, but you can do three actions. That's what I love about it is um, you have a move yeah. and you have an action, but you can do more if you want to take that chance, take the negative um, and, you know, try to do some a couple of extra things. And it's really it's really f awesome for the cinematic nature where maybe you do a test before you do an attack. Maybe you do something, you know, you want to do two things at the same time and, and, and you know, make one shot on this guy and a shot on another guy. And um, so. Very straightforward. The which you, economy is which very you have straightforward. to declare at the beginning, right? Yes. You have to declare yes, that do. at the beginning. So you have to, which makes for really good descriptive action things. I leap off the leap off the stairs, swing off the off the chandelier, and then land on the guy. Is that kind of three actions, right? So you get your three compounding. Well, well, no, no, no. We wouldn't. We not wouldn't really. say that would be three. That would probably no. be one action, actually. That would oh, be wow. a move, <laughs> yeah. an action. Now, if you said I'm going to swing off the chandelier and make the guy confused because I'm swinging on a chandelier and then I'm going to shoot him saying, I'm going to try to make him confused. That might be a test. Yep. And that test, if you succeed in the supposed test against him, you may make him vulnerable, which is easier to hit, or you might make him distracted, which means it's more difficult for him to hit you. So then, yeah, that would be two actions. But if you're just saying, Hey, I'm swinging, I'm flying through the air and I'm jumping on the guy. That's really a move and an action basically. Yeah. yeah cool. Yeah, and the, the, the whole thing with declaring your actions beforehand, now technically raw, like rules as written, um, you have to declare your specific actions. So you have to say like, I'm going to go punch that guy and then go punch that guy. Um, and you, again, you're doing it beforehand. So here's what I talked about with new players coming in. This kind of gets them tripped up sometimes because you're like, oh, I have to say all my actions beforehand and then I take that map penalty, right? Um, of like, say if it's two actions, it's minus two. Um, but yeah. What we talked about, me and Carl just made a video on our house rules. Literally, I've never played a game where um, a, a game master has enforced that you have to do the specific action. I've never, never played that way in Savage Worlds. Not once. And I've been playing Savage Worlds forever. <laughs> and so many games. So just just note that if, if you want to get into it, um, you, it's probably not the case. But, you know, somebody could rule it that way. Um, but, but definitely you have to declare the number of actions at the very least. Sure. So I want to do two actions. Um, and you have that map. Yeah. Um, and then if the first yeah. one just completely fails, then I've still got the option to change my mind. Yeah, yes, okay. exactly. Or if you like, if you killed the person, then you're like, oh, I was going to do two attacks against them. So now yeah. I just don't have, I can't, I lose my, I had to take that minus two and go, don't get to do anything, right? It kind of sucks. Um, yeah. 
I, I, I want to jump in here. Um, there's a couple cool systems that I want to talk about. Uh, really quickly, Carl brought it up. It's called Tests. So again, Tests is this very narrative open way to when you want to mess with people. And it, it's very simple. Basically, you say, I want to mess with this person in whatever way. They describe it. And then it's usually a discussion between the player and the game master um, of what skill that you want to use. And this can be very, very creative. I mean, me and Carl even made a whole video about this of like encouraging you to be really creative with your skills. So, you know, it's easy to say, I'm using fighting like a um, you know I'm using a maneuver with my sword to, to test somebody um, but you can we've seen tests use like science maybe or right uh, you mean notice is hard but I mean taunt is a big one but it just, you get very creative right like uh, uh, well, like uh, pickpocketing which is um, thievery right you, you can use like all these creative ways to mess with people and then like Carl said so how that works is you say this skill and then uh, you roll that skill and it's an opposed roll against the person's the linked attribute for so if it was fighting that's linked to agility so you roll fighting and then then they roll agility and if you rolled your fighting greater than their agility then you succeeded and if you get a raise which is four above what they roll then you got a raise on that and like Carl said it's um, distracted and vulnerable are these two main conditions that are used everywhere which is very simple you know vulnerable is a plus two for everybody that wants to attack do anything to that person it's a plus two and distracted means that those that target has a minus two on minus everything two to hit that. Yeah. um and the other the other side of the flip of the coin there is supporting it's kind of like how D&D and Pathfinder has it, but it's a way more open narrative system. I just say, I want to support this person in doing a certain thing. And then you can, it doesn't always have to be like, I'm supporting the person's fighting role, so I'm going to use fighting. Like we've had, like we, you know, everything, like science, like I said, like, it's like, oh, you've yelled out like, oh, they're on like basalt, which is, you know, a, a, an easy growth, you know, with some geo geode or something. You're using like your, your knowledge of, uh, you know, um, of rocks to kind of geology, give, yeah. yeah, geology to kind of give a hint to the, the fighter. So that might give them a plus one. And that's just a very simple skill role. And like Carl said before, most kind of basic roles, it's just a target number of four. So they just roll their skill in four. So that's, that's a very like core part of the. The, the main game that's, like I said, it's very that creative And what's, and what's really cool is that allows people who aren't combat effective, you know, mm -hmm. if you've got that face character, he doesn't yeah. have, to, he can do other things like he can use his, um, and Eric mentioned or taunt. To, to yeah, taunt people or intimidation, to, yeah. or there's these skills yeah. called taunt and intimidation. I could try to intimidate you and, or I could taunt you and kind of fluster the opponent that way, even though I'm not, I can't shoot a gun for my life, or I couldn't hit you with a sword if I tried, but I can use other skills to affect the combat. So everybody can take place and do something in combat scenario, regardless of, you know, whether you're built to be a combat yeah. monster or not. Um, Sounds, I, I, yeah, sorry, go ahead. It, it does sound simple, um, the, the system, and I do love this idea of the plus two, plus four, and four, and you know, that kind of cascading stuff. Uh, I need to move on from, from mechanics, I think. We've got a bit to cover, and I'd like to get your opinions on this as well. But just before we leave the mechanical aspects of the game, can someone talk me through character creation? Is it a – how detailed is it? How quick is it? Um, you know, how simple is it? Or is there the opportunity to expand it out and kind of customise with some of the game mechanics? I'll throw that one to you, Eric. Carl. Okay. Um, well, well Eric's yeah, the, player's, the player's player. Yeah, the player's <laughs> player. I mean, it is very straightforward, but there is a 
caveat there that I'll get into at the end of this. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's pretty straightforward. You, you start with your five, you know, all your attributes start at D4 and you have five races that you can do. Um, and then you usually start with 12 skill points. Um, there's five skills that are core skills, like um, like notice and stealth um, and common knowledge. These are, everybody starts at D4 and then all your other skills are untrained, which means they're D4 minus two. Um, then you get 12 skill points and it's a skill point to raise, um, it's one point to raise a skill from like untrained to D4 or D4 to D6. Um, the kind of weird thing here is that like, the, it's one point to raise a skill up to the, the linked attribute cap. So say fighting is linked to agility. So if you have agility of a D8, it's a point to you know, raise it each step up to a D8. Then once you want to raise it, like if you want to raise fighting over the D8, over your linked agility, then it's two points, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so there's a yeah, lot of flex. Pretty much anybody, there's no classes. It's totally classless. So you can kind of take whatever skills that you want to fit your concept. Um, there's also these really cool things called... Um, uh, called hindrances, which are the your basically your flaws of your character, and these range wildly between kind of more role playing ones and uh, mechanical ones, and like these can be things like heroic. Like heroic is a there's minor and major versions. Minors um, are, are you know are. Uh, whatever, but there's major versions. Uh, heroic is a major one. Like you are just such a bleeding heart that you're always jumping in the way of the bullet and always doing things to, to, to you know, it, it's to the point of that it disrupts your party. And these are a main part of the game because these are the primary, when you enact your hindrances and you, it kind of disrupts the, you know, something that you're trying to do or whatever the scene is, then that's the primary way that you actually get bennies. Um, you start with three bennies, but that's how your game master gives you more. Remember, bennies are used for all these different things. So you pick yeah. four points of hindrances, it's called. A minor's worth one point and a major's worth two points. Um, and then you you pick your ancestry. Uh, the base one is human. Um, and there's a really cool way, like, it's so easy to create your custom races and ancestries. There's a whole, like, graph for a game masters to use. Um, humans just get an, a free edge. And then now we'll talk about edges. Edges are the main way that you customize your character. And they're, they're kind of like feats, if you like, the, you know about the, that? The opposite or of mini flaws, feats. right? So they're the opposite yes. of flaws. Yes, they're like, will give you the edge in combat or give you the edge in social situations. Um, and these range, they're, they're, they're grouped in categories. There's like background edges, combat edges. And here's where people, it said it, there's no class, so it's very open, but here's where I would say that it kind of new players struggle with a little bit is because it's just it's just one big pool of things to choose from that it can be very overwhelming for new players, especially if you know there's the core book which has their core edges that allow you to do most things, but then every companion book will have you know edges that make fantasy games better or science fiction games better. Then every setting will usually have uh, edges that like you know make that setting that makes sense for that setting. So you you can have this huge pool of edges. Um, but they are limited by uh, first rank, which is real quickly. We talk about advancement. Um, uh, every time you, there's no levels, but you get an advancement, like you, advancement one, advancement two. And every four advancements, you go up a rank. So you start at novice, you start at then seasoned, then heroic, etc. cetera. Um, so edges have prerequisites based on rank and then based on like certain attributes and skills. So you can't always use all of them, right? But there is this big pool. Um, and edges really make it. And every... Pretty much every other game or every three games, you get an you get an advancement. And an advancement, you can either raise an attribute, 
you can raise two skills, um, or you can take an edge that you fit, fit for, and, that, and that's it, pretty much. Um, but the ranks are there; they're like that they'll unlock like like one of the most powerful skills for melee fighting is called frenzy, which allows you to do uh, get an extra attack for an attack action once per round, um, and that's a seasoned edge. So that's like one of those primary edges that you want to take immediately if you're a melee fighter. Um, anything else to throw in here, Carl? Or so, so in some ways, it takes a bit of guidance from the storyteller, the uh, the, the games master, to kind of know the edges and have the lists and kind of have it compiled is that kind of a prerequisite for your session zero and your character creation session I, so kind of have it, all that ready to go well it, it i find that um it, it depends it really um i've played with a couple players where if you start with a concept and say here's what i'm trying to do the edges start kind of falling into place based on what you're trying to be like if you're, I want to be the best shooter I can ever be. Well, then you start saying, okay, well now, do you have a gun that's like special to you? Well, then that's a trademark weapon. Do you have, you know, are you going to ultimately be like a sharpshooter? Well, then you've got things like marksman. So depending on what your character tries to do from a concept, I think that helps narrow it down a lot. So you don't have classes, but just like anything else, you say, here's my character concept that can help start bringing edges and hindrances to bear, I think, and make it a little simpler. And like Eric said, a lot of settings have hindrances that are, and edges that are very specific to them. So that makes it a little easier too, because if you're playing a fantasy game, here's some fantasy edges that make a lot more sense than maybe just a, a standard one. So I, I, I think it's not as hard, um, but it's definitely, it's a smorgasbord. So you could get analysis paralysis if you're not careful, for sure. And and character advancement is complicated or simple. I mean, Call of Cthulhu no, is very like, simple. It's kind of it's it. add some percentage dice and off you go. Yeah, I said yeah. it. When you get an advancement, you get you can either take two skills. You you can either take a, a raise an attribute or you get an edge, and that's it. So that's it's, it. it's 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 simple. very quick and easy. Yeah. Um, but you but you're leveling up much more than say D and D, right? Um, oh, okay. It's, so it's pretty much every, every two or sessions. Every two or three sessions up to the game master. Yeah, um, sure. And then, yeah. So how do you find that with power creep? Like, do you find that, uh, you know, in terms of advancement, you end up with these behemoths that just roll stacks of dice and have uncontrollable power, or um, is it a, a more gradual process? I, I'd say it's... it. it uh, Savage Worlds does not have a big problem with power creep, where the people... When you start off, you're like useless, and by the time you get to heroic after a couple of ranks, nothing in the world can ever touch you again. It's yeah. it's yeah. it's really it, it's really it, this goes back, to, like I said, a uh, you know a, a smaller creature that gets an exploding die could do some damage to a super to a hero. So sure. these things we call extras or mooks, you can't just ignore them. You know the the goblins. You know once I'm heroic rank goblins are still a problem for me i can't just assume i'm going to wade through all these goblins and they're not going to be any problem because you know i've got a million hit points right it's yeah it's just it's just different so the power creep's not there but what you get is as you grow you get to have your character feel so rich in what you want it to be mm. because of the edges you're picking and the edges do add capability don't get me wrong you're going to be much stronger than before but it's not I go from a zero to great vast power Diffy. that no one can touch yeah, me sure. ever yeah. again. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. 
I mean, hard agree, hard agree. There really is no power creep like the the crunchier D20 systems at all. I mean, um, and it's really, really, really easy for game masters to balance out encounters. Like, it just is. Um, and they can, you know, like the goblins that you've been fighting, uh, okay, all of a sudden you have like these more like, you have some goblin heroes or you have some these more like famous goblins that are, you know, there's there's little tools that you can just give goblins to get, you know, they take more wounds. That makes them harder. Oh, there's more wild card go goblins all of a sudden, you know, that, that just makes the difficulty go up. So yeah, there really is no power creep like that. Um, or it's very hard to like get stuck in that. Wonderful. I think we've gone through mechanics, gone through character creation. So let's get some opinions. Is that okay? Um, and Absolutely. It sounds like you guys concur and agree a lot, but we'll, we'll see what happens when we, <laughs> we go out here. Um, tell me, let's talk about the strengths. You've talked about simplicity and narrative before. Is that kind of the core strengths of the system? Because I want to get to some of the weaknesses, I guess. But if you could give me your top three of why Savage Worlds is a strong system, and then we can maybe talk about some of the things where you may need to do a little bit more work as a games master. Eric, what are, you, what are the three strengths that you've got for Savage Worlds? The main three strengths I would say, is first is for game masters, um, and this is like not compared to obviously like full narrative games, but uh, for me, uh, it's the my go-to system for game mastering because it makes it so easy for you as a game master. There's no other kind of on the crunchier side or, you know, the, the more... You know, again, outside of like games like Fate, there's no other system that makes it that has so many game master tools and makes it easy for to run games as Savage Worlds. Like just hands down, like everything from hit points to making monsters to like everything. It's just all those tools are there to make it very easy and not have to track a ton of stuff. Um, my second strength of it, I would say, is from a character side is and we didn't really talk about powers. I, if we have some time, I want to bring up powers. But um, it's just the the flexibility, the, the flavor well, you know, we, we've talked about in this, in this, in our podcast, we've talked about reflavoring. Savage Worlds, it's baked in to reflavor pretty much everything. And that goes everything. into powers yeah. too. And there's a lot of tools that like, that give your flavors uh, strength in a way. So uh, the, 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 the way that you can flavor a character so many different ways is, is such a strength of, of the system. And um, hmm, those are my main two. Let me think That's about okay. the third one. Carl, yeah, on this one. Yeah. Carl, anything you want to add? Well, Where do you think, find the strength of the system? Well, I think for me, one of the biggest strengths is the flexibility that it really can, with tweaks and edges and tweaks and hindrances and some of these setting rules, you can really run almost anything you want to run. Yeah. Um, when I yep. first came to Savage Worlds, the first thing I did was run a buddy cop game straight with the book. And it was just easy to do. And I could, oh, and I wanted to throw some vampires in. And the vampires work just perfectly because it's flexible enough to have some of that fantasy element come into this modern day setting. So urban fantasy was just so easy to do without any hiccups. And then to reiterate what uh, Eric said, from a game master perspective, prep is very low for encounter design. You do not, there's not huge stat blocks. There's not it's it's very much straightforward and balancing. You don't have to spend a lot of time going. What's the CR rating, and is this balanced or not? You can yeah. flex things up and down quickly um, to yeah. to kind of make things um, these layer layered encounters. So extremely extremely good. And for players, you can build whatever you want, right? You're not you're not pigeonholed. You can you know you can have a swashbuckler who's also a spellcaster. You can have you know a spellcaster who's a great marksman. Right, so you can do whatever you really, you yeah. really think your concept is. So, one thing I uh, let me let me just final thing I'd throw in is that if you like homebrewing, 
This is also the best system for that. Like, it makes it so easy to homebrew stuff and to, like, have it fit. The, you know, like, you're not going to be making OP stuff, like, in D&D. It's not hard to homebrew. Like, they, like, literally give you tools to make your own races or ancestries. They literally give you tools to make all this stuff. So it is extremely easy to homebrew, homebrew so much stuff. Like, I wrote, when I first started more playing, I wrote, like, an, a 60-page Fallout setting for it and did a ton of yeah. homebrewing stuff. So, yeah, that's my final thing on that. So it sounds like it's it's perfect, but there must be some improvements, I'm sure. No, no. Uh, and maybe this is something you could have have may have, might have got feedback from. But where where does it need some improvement? We will talk a little bit about some house rules that, that you guys incorporate shortly. But where where do you think it needs a bit of improvement, or, or where do people struggle with it? And we've but, talked a little bit about that before. But um, Carl, where do you think I, the weaknesses yeah, lie? Yeah, I don't know if I call it a weakness, but it's again the game philosophy. It is it, the biggest um, dig against it by people is that it's swingy. That's the that's the word yeah, people yeah. always use. It's swingy because of the exploding dice. One minute you're doing great, the next minute you're somebody's just exploded against you and you're like just whacked so hard that now you have to soak a, a bunch of wounds and, or it, it's just exploding dice make it what people say swinging, but that's part of the charm. So it's a weakness, but it's a weakness that I find part of the charm of the game. Um, but I think that's the biggest it, one that most it people It sounds point like out. it's got, well, it's, it's got great curveballs for narratives, doesn't it? When, when the dice upend what, what, how it's seemingly going out there. You know, I think that actually makes for really great sessions normally anyway. But, yeah, sure, if it's built in with this kind of critical explosion, it sounds, uh, sounds very swingy. Anything else, Carl? Surely that can't be the only weakness of the system. No? Uh, well, uh, I think I, I'm not sure I would call it a weakness, but because it's a generic system, some people need to have setting books in order to get that sure. extra flavor. So they need the settings or they need additional edges. They need, I said I could play a game with just the base book, but a lot of people can't. And so there is the, yeah. the idea, there's yes. a core book, but then you might need a companion or you might need a setting book to really expand upon it. Like, for example, the, the main book only has maybe 30 firearms in it completely or 30 weapons from different eras in it. But if you're playing a sci-fi game, well, now you're going to want a lot more gear porn to yeah. flesh it out and, and make it. And so you really do need to do a little homework on that or find a setting that provides you that value um, and the edges that make sense. Like there's no cybernetic edges. Well, I, I want to play a cyberpunk, so I really need to find a setting that adds some of that flavor. So that would be another thing that I think for a lot of folks um, is a detriment. They have to buy more stuff than just the core book. Or create more, do Or do their own work. it themselves yeah. and make it, yeah. Yeah, Eric, I, I, anything, you, anything you know? Oh, for sure. I mean, I definitely agree with that. That's one of the ones I was going to bring up. And it, it's so much to like, well, obviously that's what they wanted to do was make it this neutral system. Um, it, and while you can play most most types of games with the core book, it doesn't do most games well necessarily, right? I think it's, I mean, its roots are in this Wild West game called Dead, Deadlands. Um, that's where it started. So things like Benny's, like it's poke. So oh, there's like the yeah, 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 exactly, yeah. and that that's where it came out of. So there is that DNA still in it, right? When you go to like right, you, we, you use cards for initiative, and there's like poker things and and like the poker chips, things like that, right? That's all. So it doesn't always mesh the best with certain genres, and even with the companion books, it always doesn't always mesh the best. Also because of its openness. Um, 
You do maybe leave, even though while it is flexible, you can do flavor things uh, your way. There is there can be a frequent feeling of sameness between characters, um, and also between foes sometimes, unless the game master is more skilled. Um, so there, with characters, like especially starting out, there's this really. Uh, there's a problem where they can really feel samey, um, which is just different from like class-based systems, right? Where class-based systems you're going to feel distinct because you're in this class, this you know this narrow hallway of a class. Um, that okay. is a problem for people feeling samey until they've they've you know leveled up a lot, basically. Um, uh, I just spaced out. There was another. There was another one that I had. Oh, uh, one of the other ones I had that while there isn't a ton of math, it can go crazy sometimes with these modifiers. And it's not like Pathfinder where you have to look up all these different like oh this thing and this thing and this rule. Right? It's simple like illumination or there's cover or there's a power based thing. Like it's not. It's not like complicated to know where they're coming from. But there can be like in our games with me and Carl play like um you know I'm pretty. Me, it's it's often like some of the players don't really can't really ha- get a handle on all. They're like, well, what's my final like total that I have? Like I'm rolling this plus or minus that, and it's either me or Carl being like, okay, there's a plus two, minus two, plus one, like this, right? That can get out of hand at times because of the different options or whatever like is happening. So I think yeah. that can be definitely um, a weakness for sure. Sounds great. Well, oh, sorry, sorry. One, well, one, sorry. Well, one last thing. I, I just remembered. Sorry. Uh, for game masters, the weakness I would say, well, I said there's all these tools for game masters because there isn't CR, because there isn't like that, that based, that game masters can actually create two deadly of encounters or if, you have to kind of get a handle on playing first. Um, and then once yeah. you get into the group of things, you kind of understand how it flows and it's not hard, but because there isn't no CR system, um, for, especially for new game masters, that can be a big problem, right? Is making like it can either be too easy fights or too hard fights or too easy dramatic tasks or too hard dramatic tasks, things like that. So some of the stuff you just have to get exp- really get experience um, versus something like Dungeons Dragons or Pathfinder because of those the systems in place. And this goes to my next question, um, which is how accessible is it to, for someone to start running these games? So is there a starter set? Um, you've talked about the basic rule book. You know, how difficult is it to kind of, and what's the outlay to kind of get started and get a sense of how to play? Is there a good introductory book that kind of a scenario that allows you to get through it? What's the uh, what's the stepping off point for Savage Worlds? Well, well the, the, to start with, all you need is um, what's called the Savage Worlds Adventure Edition, which is, like I said, it's about 200-page rule book, and that's, that's it. Yeah. 200 pages. It goes through the system, which is very straightforward, like we mentioned. It talks about all the little sub-games, you know, because we've been sprinkling them in, talking about dramatic tasks and tests and stuff like that. But it goes through all that. That's, that's the basis of it. And then it gets your, to get your feet wet, on it, they have uh, pegs really nice on their website. They have a lot of things they call one-sheets. Um, and those are like yeah. just some basic scenarios that you can run and they have a bunch of free ones in different genres that you can just download. And so if you want to, you don't have to buy a starter set to get a, a couple of free adventures. They have some free adventures on their website that you can yes. do. But, but all you need really is the core rule book to start. Um, and, yeah. and Peg actually now with their 20th anniversary of the game, they also released player guides, which are player books, which... I, uh, you really just get the main rule book. I mean, there's really almost no difference between the, the main rule book and the player it, guy. Yeah, yeah there's, sure. there's really little difference. So you might as well just buy the other than price. But um, but that's all you need really to start. And then as I, you get I, more experience, yeah. you might need a setting or a companion. But 
Um, Eric may disagree a little bit with that. I don't know. So No, I, I agree with you. They do have a lot of free stuff compared to other games, but I would say that there is no definitive beginner box. And I think that is something that new GMs can maybe struggle with. Like, there's the you know definitive D and D beginner box. There's the definitive Pathfinder beginner box, and that really, really, exactly walks you through. Right, Savage Worlds does not have that. They they have these one sheet adventures. They have the simple starter ones that kind of do that role, but they don't have that definitive thing that I think is kind of lacking. for sure, yeah. Um, and w- sorry, one other weakness I wanted to bring up that is actually <laughs> connected to this because um, the, the Savage Worlds, is, it's not completely, uh, even more than, say, D&D, um, they're not very explicit with how they use certain language consistently throughout the book. So sometimes things are maybe to attacks or to whatever, X this, X that. And so it makes sometimes rules kind of confusing. I mean, Game Masters, it's easy to just make your own judgment. But unlike, say, D&D or Pathfinder, um, now the forums have almost completely shut down. So there really is not a good resource to kind of uh, ask your questions anymore for when you have like certain yeah, questions. And there, there's still yeah. things that I'm struggling with. And like when we do our videos, I've been doing research and I'm like, I don't know. Like you, sometimes you have to look at old forum posts, but it's not very clear. And that's especially apparent with like something like the superpower book, right? There just isn't. So that that is another one of the weaknesses I would say. But sorry, I just wanted to make sure we not having that. the errata pages and that and that kind 100%, of hundred percent, yeah. And because yeah, yeah. it's not explicit in its language with like, consistency, that there is these kind of rule confusions at times. But yeah, I, I want to talk a bit about campaigns for we. Need to wind it up pretty quickly, but um, but I want to talk a bit about campaigns and the longevity of the game. Um, you know, Call of Cthulhu is one of those games that you have to put a lot of effort into making it run a long a long period of time. D and D seems to kind of peter out at around level ten. You know, yeah. how how is um, how Savage Worlds for uh, extended campaigns? Does it work? How how many years can you string a game together? It, it is like fantastic for <laughs> campaigns. I, um, it's great for one shots, but campaigns, it is really well designed. The, the fact that you have so much flexibility with edges and character advancement, it's, it's really easy to have a character grow from smaller to greater. Um, and, and with the different, different settings and the different things, it, it's very easy to do campaigns in lots of different genres. It has a lot of legs, a lot of longevity. I think I don't think I've ever not played a campaign that was decent length. Um, I play some shorter yeah. ones because I have you know the there's a storyline to it. But I've done some super long ones. I think the only issue that with the the system is once you get beyond what's called legendary, it starts. There's less and less stuff now because you've got a lot of edges and yeah. you've got a lot of stuff. And so yes. you start saying, okay, what can I pick to become even more interesting once I hit this? So there's kind of a... a so, there is, so there is a little bit of a ceiling, which is not a bad thing. It's a but bit but of it's a, a long of, time to get there, I yeah. think, to get to that ceiling. I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree with Carl. It does campaigns very well. But for super long campaigns, there definitely is a struggle there, like Carl, like you guys were saying, because there's that cap. So to do those, you definitely need to have other books, right, other companion books, more stuff to choose from, and maybe even like more skills, like some games have more skills, just more of that kind of stuff. Um, and it's also depending on the, how the GM gives out advancements. Like we said, it's every two or three sessions. Generally, like you might start slowing them down in the higher levels. And once you get to legendary, it's like... It, there's like rules for that of like how much you do, but yeah, there can't be necessarily those super long ones um, because of that, because there is no like epic level book or whatever. But so yeah, you sure. can't do it. You just need those extra books. You need to have like 
the game needs to have, like have started with those extra books. In yeah, play, I, I, I don't think you'll have uh, you know a, a, one of those ten year campaigns that you hear about people where their group's been playing the same game for ten years. I, that may be hard. Yeah, you yeah. Know? <laughs> so, but what the cool thing you do with that is that like what, we, what we've done with me and Car- I mean in our game um, where you like you know, start new characters in the same world and you can even like advance the technology, which is what we've done in our game, and it makes it very because Sabatrols has that those tools for that. It makes it very easy to do that and to like you know if you were doing D and D a fantasy game and then okay we a hundred years so technology has progressed maybe to like Victorian era. It might be a struggle to do that but for savage worlds it's easy to do that right you could you could keep making new characters until like they go into space right it's like so there is there is that kind of cheat that you could do i would say um to yeah, make campaigns true. longer in that way yeah i've got enough time for a couple more questions and so but i'll let's we'll try and make this quick if we can yeah. um for those that are starting to run or play savage worlds for the first time what are some of the changes that you would make or that you naturally make to the system like uh, are there any home house rules any any kind of things that you just go no actually with experience just do it this way is there anything in there that, that might help new players or new new games masters i think we hit the biggest one already which is declare the number of actions but not declare which specific actions yes they are that yeah. really helps um helps clean that um that logic up for people because th- th- there's enough trouble just deciding you want to yeah. do two. So that's one of the rules, house rules that we use probably all the time to a point that I always forget that there is a rules as written. Um, so that's that's the big one I have. How about you, Eric? What, which one would you throw in there next? Um, I, I would say so it, the core book, there's things called setting rules, which help you like, um, you know, uh, they're like, this might be good for this type of game or this type of game. One of the ones is called Wound Cap. And this is one that I would recommend to most, especially new game masters. What we said before where, you know, you could be taking five, six, seven wounds. And then, you know, you have to soak all of those, like, to your soak roll to actually not die or not go down. Uh, the Wound Cap rule maybe caps the, the maximum amount of wounds that any, anything can take at four. So even if, right. you, you know, it kind of helps with that swinginess and damage. And that's one that I we, that we play with a lot. I play with maybe like 80% of the games I play with have that anyways, or 75%. And for new game masters especially, you definitely want to use that because you just don't have a handle on the swinginess there. Um, that's that's a big one for sure. Uh, Carl? Um, that, that sounds huge and solves one of the big weaknesses if the swinginess is an issue. And yeah, sounds like a simple solution. And, of course, there's a lot of little stuff, but I, I don't think we need to get into the little nitpicky house rules. Those are the big ones, I think. No, I I, I, I would say uh, the, the other big one is like a hint or advice is uh, something that – because we just made a video. You got, you can actually check out – we made a video on our top house rules in, in Tabletop Tango. Um, but one of the ones is giving like uh, – putting some systems in place, especially if you're just starting out as a game master, to give more bennies automatically. So usually, like yeah. we said, you, you reward bennies for like – crazy heroic stuff or when when somebody does their hindrances but it's hard to keep track of that as a new game master so having things in place like giving everybody a benny when you know an hour has gone up or when they've critically failed a roll they get a benny at like doing some of those like hacks of just having some systems systems in place to automatically give bennies i think is another kind of uh, I actually have which allows you which actually allows your players to keep track of it too so you don't have to take all of that on your players yes. can say Oh, which it's been is, an hour. We all get a Benny. Yeah. Which is, uh, that's a good point, James. Also, tell your players to remind you of your hindrances, which is something yeah. that we that we do. Even experienced game masters for Savage Worlds do that. I tell people like, to call me Hey, hint, hint, I'm being curious. Yeah, like, because yeah. there's just no way a game master can keep track of that. And Bennies are so important to the system. So, yeah. 
Well, very cool. Well, I think I've great explanation, guys. Really, really wonderful. I've, I've got my head. It's been over a year since I played, but it's it's all come flooding back. So fantastic! <laughs> great deep dive into the system. Um, great deep dive into Savage Worlds and something that you should check out. Really, uh, if you if you're looking for something that's not kind of setting agnostic and you, you want something with a little bit more flexibility, then uh, check out Savage Worlds. Final thoughts and questions. Uh, Eric, any, any, anything you'd like to add? One last thing? I mean, you know, I didn't get to talk about powers, which are my favorite thing. But just really, <laughs> They're very, very flexible, and you can customize all your uh, powers to fit your kind of idea of your spellcaster or whatever it is. And there's there's all these, like, little stuff for that, which I like is cool. Um, we didn't really touch on some of the other narratives. Like we said, there's like there's a system for chases. There's a system for quick encounters. The, the, the one that I wanted to bring up real quickly is just dramatic tasks, which is just a cool system, a narrative system, which allows you to do stuff when time pressure is a thing. So, like, disarming a bomb or doing a bank heist or you know we did one in your game James remember where you got that was an it's epic one where you had a, plane, you were yeah. dry, you were driving away from basically this like ex magical explosion was happening and it was it was, came down to one single roll whether you guys would have died or survived so um, that there's just all these like cool things like that in there that we didn't talk about but yeah I mean um, there's a lot of uh, riffs now is the Savage Worlds product. Um, for me, the superpower, it, for me, Savage Worlds does superpowers best. So there, uh, there's all these other superpower systems um, in place. But if you, like, if you like superheroes, Savage Worlds does superheroes so very well. So very well. So that's a high recommend for superheroes. Um, fantasy was always an issue. Now they have a thing called Savage Pathfinder where you can play all of Pathfinder stuff using Savage Worlds because th they got like oh, licensed. Cool. So yeah, we're actually playing a Savage Pathfinder game right now, um, which is really cool. So uh, yeah, check it out. There's a lot of new books coming in, like the fantasy book and the science fiction book's about to drop. So um, yeah, that just experiment. Check it out. Try to do a one shot. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. and, Carl, uh, I, anything you'd like to add? Last thoughts? Well, for me, just I was burnt out of, I was more of an OSR kind of guy than D&D 5th &D yeah. edition. And I was so burnt out of <clears throat> fantasy and just be able to run that D20 system. If it weren't for Savage Worlds, I probably would have been not game mastering anymore. I would have just been like, I, I don't even want to bother anymore with, you know, uh, balancing encounters and, all, you know, the, the character and then all these different splat books and all the kind of stuff people, I just would not have game mastered. And I think Savage Worlds sort of renewed my vigor for being a game master and, and what it brought to the table. So I think... If someone's kind of sick of D&D, this is a great thing to try. It may get them excited again for being a, doing something different than they've been doing for a long time. Not saying anything wrong with D&D, but it's just it's it's another good thing that's a little bit different. It's got a little different flavor and, and a little more interest, interesting things about it. I'll leave it there. And that's it. There's so many other great games out there that, that do things differently to D&D. So if you yeah. haven't tried one, go and check it out. And Seven Thoughts is a pretty good one. <laughs> Um, well, guys, thanks for the chat. Um, wonderful uh, intro into um, into Savage World. So, so thank you very much. All right. Well, thanks everyone for tuning in. Hope you got something out of it. Uh, drop by masteringtherpg.com. Um, send us email. Uh, need advice, ideas? Send it to game master at masteringtherpg.com. Um, again, thanks everybody for listening. Thank you, James, so much for moderating and letting us ramble on about how yeah, cool thanks, the game James. system is. <laughs> um, <laughs> so once again, uh, this is Carl with Eric's and James saying, say goodbye, guys. Goodbye, guys. Keep it savage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did that. <laughs> <laughs>